0: Welcome to the family, no LA Nick today, no Catherine today, everybody just hit the road except for Andy Brad Bernard. it's Andy and me, pally, and you, of course, uh, we'll be right back, kick things off with the family. The best thing about Walzer Care? It's free with purchase. That's right, I said free. So, if you're shopping for a new or used Subaru, Honda, Nissan, Mazda, Toyota, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Hyundai, or Chevrolet, see my friends at Walzer and get Walzer Care for free. Do, 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 do. We're rocking out, baby. That's all I know. Um,. Thank you to Officer Dave for calling in. Uh, We had a wonderful thing at the very end of the KQ morning show. There was a a woman that called in, although when Ray put her on the air, he goes, Go ahead, sir. And she goes, I'm not a sir, I'm a ma'am. Sounded just like my mother. It was wonderful. So, And that's why Michelle called in to the the morning show to wish my mother uh, a happy Mother's Day. And so I could wish my mother a happy Mother's Day by a woman who sounds just like my mother. But, um, yeah, it was just a great, great thing. And so I asked her at the end of the conversation, I said, could you do me a huge favor? Since it's Mother's Day on Monday, could you just say, well? And she goes, well, it was the greatest. So you're right, Officer Dave. It it made me very, very happy to hear my mother's voice again. Even though it wasn't my mother, really, it sounded a hell of a lot like my mother. I'll tell you that. It was nice to hear. So happy Mother's Day to all mothers out there. And uh, if you're still alive and kicking, go spend some time with your kids because they adore you. Even if they pretend they don't, you're their mother for Christ. How do you not love your mother? Unless your mother's a pain in the ass, then I suppose that could, that could develop into a problem. But Well, yeah. I don't know. I just love the whole thing. I love the whole idea. So, yeah, Officer Dave heard it. Thank you for making the same use. It did. It meant a lot to me. A New Jersey cemetery worker spent 25 minutes trapped in a collapsed grave on Tuesday. Luckily, his upper body above the dirt. The 59-year-old went into the 8-foot-deep grave. Why is it 8 feet deep? I thought it was 6 feet deep.
2: Uh, no, I think they're 8 now. <clears throat> Why? Probably because modern, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, coffins, are so gigantic. They are gigantic now, aren't they? They're very ornate.
0: Yeah, that's true. He went into the eight-foot-deep grave at the Hillside Cemetery in Lyndhurst to take some measurements ahead of the Wednesday funeral, according to police. They did not realize any uh, shoring, uh, they did not utilize any shoring when they were digging the grave, Sergeant Vincent Auteri tells NorthJersey.com. He decided to jump in nevertheless. The sides of the grave collapsed, burying the man up to his knees. Co-workers reportedly heard him yelling for help around 3.40 p.m. He was freed by rescue workers before being taken to a hospital with chest and back pain. Why would you have chest and back pain if you jumped eight feet and then would, you were surrounded up to your knees? Why would that cause you back pain? Well,
2: I could have just had <clears throat> back pain because he's a grave digger.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of work, man. <laughs> Digging a grave has got to be, well, not anymore, I suppose, but, boy, when they used to shovel them by hand, that had to yeah. be a
2: massive pain in the ass. Apparently the average grave, it, it depends. On average, apparently they're only about four feet deep, but there's double-depth and triple-depth graves. Why? I have no idea. So you I'm assuming no idea size of coffin is probably the biggest indicator. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. Or I like some religious true. things. I'm sure there are some religions that say you have to be dug, you know, such an amount deep or you can't be dug too deep or whatever. Yeah. So let me ask you a question, Andy. Do you think we'll ever get past bias in the news? Nope. Is it just going to be with us forever? Mm-hmm. It's been there for hundreds of years. As but long as the news has existed. As long as news
0: media has, has a, whether it be uh, newspapers, newspapers have been around for how many years, 500? Uh, let's see. A long time, I'm sure. When
2: was the printing press
0: invented? The printing, yes. But, well, did they do any handwritten newspapers
2: before that? I don't think so. Probably maybe, well, I mean, like maybe they had some <clears throat> things that they would post, but nothing distributed. That would be way too much work. Yeah, I don't think there's any question. 1,500. So it's been, yeah, about 500 years. So, yeah, it's been about 500 years. That's what I thought. I thought it was about 500 years. So
0: newspapers have been around 500 years. And you think that bias has been there forever? I believe so. Probably true. Uh, Why why do you think it is that it's important for newspapers and news sites to have a bias? Because are they really trying to spin the news to the point where they're changing the world and the way it is? Yes. Well, that's a horrible idea. That's not your job. No, it's working. I mean, but, but it's true. It's just not their job to spin the news and use bias. No, technically not, but <clears throat> no one, if no one stops them, that's what they're going to do. Well, television news is just as bad as newspapers. Newspapers are still the worst. There's no question about that. Um, but then television's right behind them now. Television is is right on their heels. There's such bias in television news reporting now, it is unbelievable. Yep. Isn't that sad? Yes, it is. I just, I don't know. I mean, here's the deal. The lead story on Newser today, Kushner's uh, virus team was inept, says volunteers. Mm. Who gives a rat's ass what the volunteers said? Yeah. I don't know if it was. I don't know if it wasn't. I'm not, I'm not paying any attention to Kushner's virus team anyway. I don't even know what Kushner's virus team is. Now, Jared Kushner is his son-in-law, right? Uh, yeah, it's Trump's son-in-law. <clears throat> is it? Written complaints as advisors group had a little experience in hunt for medical equipment. Well, who did have the experience for, for looking for medical equipment? And I'm not taking sides here. I, just, I see a story like this and I go, well, that's ridiculous. Jared Kushner's role in helping shape the U.S. response to the coronavirus came under increased scrutiny Wednesday with a spate of new stories. The presidential son-in-law, though, won't be pleased. The New York Times and The Washington Post have stories with a similar theme. They asserted that an inexperienced team led by Kushner botched the effort to secure protective medical equipment such as masks and gloves. Both stories cite a complaint written by one of Kushner's volunteers that has been filed with the House Oversight Committee. Once again, so one person... Complains and all of a sudden it's the absolute truth. Yeah. <clears throat> Did you bother to check to see if that person had anything to gain or lose by? Re- I'm not saying Kushner was not inept. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm not taking sides in this at all. I just don't understand how one person saying something becomes a national, international news story. I don't get that. <clears throat> Don't wouldn't you find one or two other people, maybe, to say, yeah, the guy, maybe the guy does suck. I don't know.
2: Well, if they already say what you want them to say, then why bother, right? So that's what it
0: is, too. They said what we wanted them to say, so we'll print it. Yeah. The Post, Jared's team relied in part on volunteers from consulting and private equity firms with little expertise in the tasks they were assigned, exacerbating chronic problems and obtaining supplies for hospitals and other needs, according to numerous government officials and a volunteer involved in the effort. One thing I would say, and this is not in Jared Kushner's defense, it's in the, the general population's defense, who laid off all the hospital workers? That would have been hospitals, okay? Yeah. Do you think that was a good idea? Because <clears throat> I don't. You needed all hands on deck, and you didn't do it. The Times. These volunteers had little to no experience with the government procurement procedures or medical equipment, but as part of Mr. Kushner's government-wide push to secure protective gear for the nation's doctors and nurses, the volunteers were put in charge of sifting through more than 1,000 incoming leads and told to pass only the best ones on further uh, for further review by FEMA officials. The story says they were told to prioritize tips from Trump supporters which led to promising avenues being ignored. I, I, I don't believe that for one minute. Why would they do that? I, wow. <clears throat> Maybe it's true. I don't know. Maybe it is that they, they're that that would be the dumbest thing, really inappropriate thing to do. Well, we're only going to prioritize tips from Trump supporters. Why? Mm. Why would I don't that doesn't make any sense to me. But if they did it, they're that stupid that they would do something like that. Then I guess it's a good thing you pointed it out. I, I suppose. I don't know. Meanwhile, the Daily Beast reports that Kushner also is playing a key role in Operation Warp Speed, the White House effort to have a vaccine by the end of the year. His focus is on using his ties to the private sector to speed up the process. Jared has been vocal in meetings about wanting to engage in the private sector uh, on the uh, development of a vaccine in a similarly successful way that the administration did on ventilators, PPE, and others, says a White House official. The DB is skeptical. Suggesting that the Trump administration may once again find itself in a place where it is over-promising the public in its fight against the coronavirus. You name me a president who hasn't over-promised everything. Well, yeah. <clears throat> That's what they do. It is. You remember when... Uh, When uh, President, and again, uh, there's nothing against President Obama, but he did say with Obamacare you're going to get the 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 coverage you need. Everybody's going to get coverage. You're gonna it's going to cost you less money. None of that was true. None of it was true, and he knew it wasn't true. That's what presidents do. They first of all, that's what politicians do. They love to BS up a storm. So I don't know. Like I said, I'm I'm not I'm trying not to take sides. What I'm trying to do is find a a news website that's pretty even keel, kind of in the middle. Is there such a thing? Does anybody
2: know? What's our number? Uh,
0: 561.
2: 561 561-228-4061.
0: If you know of a news delivery site on the Internet, that's pretty middle ground. I'd love to hear about it because, man, they're hard to find. You can text or call. I I Literally, I've been looking for one. I have no idea where to even find one because every news service I look at, is slanted one way or the other but i suppose is that how they make money
2: yes that's exactly how they make
0: money all right we'll be right back another segment following right after this with the family tom Bernard, with my buddy and ceo of north american banking company michael Bilski. tell me michael we've been talking about north american banking company for a few years now one thing we've discussed is that the bank is locally owned and operated well how does that benefit your customer tommy projects and opportunities for expansion
1: come up quickly for business owners a locally owned and managed bank like North American Banking Company means decisions can be made just as quickly. We know Minnesota. We live in the communities we serve. So we have experience and first-hand knowledge for what's happening in your life, where you live. That means decisions are made here. We don't ship them off or pass the buck someplace out of state. Finally, getting our customers quick answers
0: allows them to take decisive action, and that's how business gets done. Man, Michael, you're getting good at this. Practice makes perfect. Uh, Perfect? (laughs) Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, an equal housing lender. 2020 never looks so good. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. With 2020 upon us, it's time to ditch the contacts and pitch the glasses. Take it from me. It's one of the best things you can do for yourself in the new year. I've never looked back from having LASIK myself, and with Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience... You can trust you're amongst the best in the business. Call 855-554-2020 or visit whitingclinic.com online to schedule your free LASIK consultation. The great people at Whiting Clinic will take fantastic care of you, just like they did for me. Call 855-554-2020 or visit whitingclinic.com online to schedule your free LASIK consultation. Imagine 2020 or better in 2020. And let 2020 be your best year yet. With LASIK at Whiting Clinic.
1: LASIK results may vary. Talk to your Whiting Clinic doctor about your individual outcome potential.
0: Oh, Andy's rocking out today. What do you think of that action? Hey, man. That's all I have to say. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, a 24-7 full week-long live stream from The Real Conjuring House. It starts this Saturday, May 9th. Jay Bloomkey, how are you, Jay?
1: I'm great. How are you?
0: Marvel. Did I pronounce your last name correctly? Yes, you did. Bloomkey. I like it. That works for me. Yes,
1: it's it's, it's German. It means little flower.
0: Oh, Jay, the little flower. (laughs) Well, one of the reasons that I pronounce your name properly is because most of the population in Minnesota is German. A lot of of Germans, a lot of Scandinavians. So this is a good thing.
1: Yep. Yep, yep.
0: The world is on lockdown, and so is the family living In the house that inspired The Conjuring, watches the Heinzen family, shows you how they live amongst the spirits while toughing out this worldwide pandemic. Before we get started, Jay, I want to throw on the morning show, which I do, there was a story this morning. One of the guys on the the show went to New York. He was in New York for some reason. I don't know why. But he decided to go to the Amityville house. Yes. And then he decided he wanted to touch the house. He didn't want to go in. He just wanted to touch the house so he could say (laughs) that he touched the house. Okay. He walks up, puts his hand on the siding, and this guy goes, "Get the hell away from my house!"
1: (laughs) (laughs) I actually think that house is up for sale again.
0: Oh, is it really?
1: I think yeah. It was it was up for sale a couple years ago, and you know, I anybody who's interested in the paranormal, obviously, they look at that and go, "Oh, I wish I could buy that house." You know, and that's exactly what the Heinzens did. So, um, you know, they're paranormal investigators. They've been doing that for years, and this house came up, and they said, oh, my God, we have to buy it if we possibly can.
0: Yeah, that's kind of... Now, Where where is the Heinzenho- uh uh the Conjuring house?
1: It's in Harrisville, Rhode Island.
0: Oh, it's in Rhode Island, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, do you think because the population in that part of the United States is the oldest, that's why you'll find more houses like that? Well, uh, you know, it's really funny.
1: Um, I did... I've done a lot of paranormal television, uh, I produced and directed Ghost Hunters way back in the day when it first started. And we did a lot of, a lot of our show was in New England, and you just found these great old houses. And then, you know, the further west you move out, things are newer. Um, but still, I mean, it doesn't mean there's, there's not that many hauntings on the west coast. But right, it just, right. there just seems to be a greater density of, you know, people that have experiences in New England than any other place. In this country,
0: yeah, that I, that would make complete sense. So now, where did when did we first hear about the the Conjuring House?
1: All right, so it's it's kind of funny because um, back in season, I don't know if it was season two or I think it was maybe the second half of season one of Ghost Hunters. Uh, I went with the Ghost Hunters team to a house in Harrisville, Rhode Island, that I knew nothing about, uh, and at the time, it was owned by a different family. <coughs> And uh, John Zappas was there, and he's the nephew of uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren, and he worked with us. And, and we had other, other you know, people that were kind of peripheral to the TAPS organization working with us at the house. And I remember at the time, I was told by one of the guys that this place is, like, seriously haunted. And I, I always make this joke because you know, doing that kind of job is perfect for me because I never have any experiences. I find oh, okay. these locations to be uh, very peaceful. You know, I, whenever I'm, I'm talking about what I do in that field, I always say I'm dead inside because I never experience <laughs> anything, but you know, it's right. just one of those things where it's like, I, 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 I'm at peace at these locations because they're usually so quiet and all the lights are out and the guys are investigating. and They're being quiet when they do it. So you kind of just sit back and relax. But, um, I was in that house well before the movie came out, and to me it was just another location, right? And then the movie came out, and I saw the film, and I was, I was watching the film, and I'm thinking to myself, man, this is a very familiar story. Why is this story so familiar? Oh, yeah. And I came home, and I saw it with my, my teenage <laughs> daughter at the time, who, you know, never gives any respect, you know, and like most teenage daughters don't. And uh, went to, to the movie, came home, Looked at my collection of DVDs, where I have some of the Ghost Hunters DVDs, and I looked on there and saw the episode, and said to my daughter, "Oh my God, I've been in that house, you know, but not not the house in the movie, the real house."
0: The real house. And
1: and so, for a second, I was a little bit of a rock star to my daughter, you know, (laughs) but but it was a fleeting second. It went back to normal right after that.
0: I think that's hilarious. Yeah, so she's very proud of you—the fact that you'd been in the real Conjuring house.
1: Yes, yeah, she had something she could tell her friends. Yes,
0: yeah, that makes sense. Now, for people who haven't said, how many Conjuring movies are there now? I think there's about four. Yeah, I think that's right. Well,
1: well yeah. it's hard to say because there's like you of know, spin offs with the Annabelle thing and all that. But
0: um, yeah, that's true.
1: I, I think I think the it, it's either the. The third direct one from The Conjuring is coming out soon. Because there was The Conjuring there, and there was The Enfield, which was two, and then um, I, I felt like there was another one. But there's there's definitely one that's going to be released, I think, this coming year.
0: So, how did this all start? How did the the story of The Conjuring and The Conjuring House? How how I I'm, I've seen the movie, but some people may not have. How did this all start? When did it all start?
1: Well, so in, in terms of my connection to it, yeah. Is that what you're asking? And so, so I was producing another show with my producing partner, and uh, I was we were just you know looking through news and stuff, and we saw that the house was sold, and I I was I was just thinking, oh my god, you know that what a great story this would be to tell. So, uh, we reached out to the owners, and um, this was about the time that Host Adventures was getting set up to go there this earlier uh, or later last year. Um, and they had a bunch of uh, things going on there, but they the story that was being told wasn 't their story. the story that was being told was the parents story mm-hmm. you know the, the story of what happened to the parent family the, the conjuring story um, and we thought well nobody 's telling your story why don 't we tell your story and you know it does relate to the parent family it relates to andrea, you know andrea. Um, she tells her story in a book series that she wrote, and it's it's a little different than what the movie depicts. In in a lot of ways, it's actually more terrifying, the things that happen to the family and the way she lays it out in her books. You realize that these were little girls that were going through something that you know, <clears throat> nobody can help them with, you know? So <clears throat> part of Andrea's story is part of this story, and... Now we have a new family in there that's got a, a boy and a girl. Uh, the boy is high school age, and the girl is in, uh, I think, her second year of college. And there, the kids are scared of the house. Mom and dad are paranormal investigators, though. And so, you know, they're in this weird spot where they're fascinated by the house, and now they've invested in it. And they want to—the I mean, the, the reason why they bought the house originally— is because of their own fascination with it. But they also knew when they were young investigators that they wanted to get into these places and have access to them. So they bought the house thinking, you know what, we could have access to this basically like a paranormal laboratory. We can have day-to-day, 24-7 access to trying to figure out what's going on here, but we can share it with people. <coughs> so they've been doing that now for, I don't know, uh, a couple months or maybe four months, where they've opened it up and they're allowing other paranormal groups to go, investigate the location, and post their evidence. So there's actually quite a bit of evidence videos and audio online and on their website. Um, But now with this lockdown situation, nobody can go to the house.
0: Oh, I see. Yeah, that's true. I didn't even think about that.
1: Yeah, so people can't go. They are, you know, basically in the house all the time, and it's—I think it's a—it's a different situation where you've got kind of, you know, um, kind of a, you know, a house where you're there and you're investigating, but you know the house is always going to be there, and so you take your investigation at a certain pace. But now they have the opportunity since they're kind of just there, it's just like to focus on it. So I think the energy is different, and the energy changes between hey, I know you ghosts are here, and we're just going to walk around with our meters, and we're going to see what we can find, to I know you ghosts are here, and I really want to reach you now. And I think that changes the equation a little bit. Things may get a little more active.
0: Yeah, I could see that, absolutely. Um, Jay, do you, have, do you have time to do another? What time do you, do you have, to, uh, have to break free? I'm fine. Okay cuz I need to take a break in just a couple of seconds but I'd love to have you back for another another segment if that's okay. Absolutely. Okay, well, going into the to this break, I want to ask you a question. I remember being like 20 maybe 21 years old, go to Chicago for the very first time in my life. Friend of mine and I go to a movie at the Biograph Theater in Chicago. And there's a cha- there's a seat in the movie theater that's painted gold. And I ask, "What is why is that seat painted gold?" Well, it was a seat that John Dillinger was sitting in watching the movie before he got mm. up and left and then was shot to death in the alley. Wow. So I, of course, had to go sit in the chair. Why did I have to go sit in that chair?
1: Isn't
0: that, <laughs> isn't that odd?
1: Yeah, we all have morbid fascinations with that kind of thing,
0: you know? <laughs> I guess. I just felt, once I did it, I felt like such a fool. I was like, what are you doing? I was sitting in John Dillinger's movie theater seat. We will take a break. Be right back. Jay Bloomkey with us, ladies and gentlemen, a 24-7 full week-long live stream from The Real Conjuring House. It starts this Saturday, May 9th. Back, another segment with Jay right after this. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. Ooh, we don't need no education. That's really nice. Ladies and gentlemen, on May 9th, a 24-7 full week-long live stream from The Real Conjuring House, Jay Bloomke, our special guest. Jay, how many people are going to be in the house uh, for that week?
1: So um, the, the, the guy, <coughs> Corey Hindson, who uh, is, is the father of the family, um, there's, there's four of them in the family. There's mother, da- uh, daughter, father, son. And they have a paranormal team that they've been working with for years called Team Rogue. And so um, there are, are, like, people that are in the house who stay there on a regular basis to monitor things. So there is a guy named, uh, guy named John who kind of monitors the security and a guy named Bill Brock, who you may know from uh, there's a TV show that was on Destination America years ago. Uh, it was a monster show that he was part of. He was on camera, talent for that, um, mm-hmm. but he's part of this team Rogue, so it's basically going to be six of them in the house, and it's, it's a big house, it's yeah. a, sprawling, a sprawling structure, so um, I think probably what, what we're going to see happening mostly is that the family's going to be there uh, talking over the stream, telling the audience everything that they want to know about the house, you know, they'll take them on a tour of the house, they'll be investigating different rooms every night. Uh, but during the day, it's it's more like a paranormal convention where uh, we have some big-name paranormal experts that will be calling in over their webcam and interviewing the family. Uh, Andrea Perrin will actually be a big part of this, mm-hmm. and people will be able to talk to her, and she'll be able to share her stories. The way we want to kick it off is uh, Saturday Saturday when this thing starts, and it starts, uh, I guess, at noon on the East Coast and 9 a.m. on the West Coast, we'll kick it off with Andrea, uh, you know, calling in on her webcam and the family walking through the house, taking a walking tour of the house, going in every room and having Andrea tell the audience what happened to her family in relationship to that room, and we'll talk to uh, the family and find out what is now happening, what they're experiencing with certain areas in the house. So we'll get a good sense, the audience should get a good sense right away, uh, in terms of what to expect.
0: You know, Jeff I gotta ask you, did you get the DarkZone.TV T V the first time you tried to get it?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was back that was it was a couple of years ago when T V was not quite so big as it is now. Yeah,
0: I was gonna say, man, but no, yeah. I don't there's no way you're getting a name like the DarkZone.TV TV now.
1: Yeah, yeah, and but just just so everybody knows, um, like if, if anybody's interested in getting tickets for this thing, you know, uh, the dot TV is is not where you want to go for this. Right? Uh, it, there's there's a page that is basically the ticket gateway where you would purchase your ticket. Um, tickets are fourteen ninety nine, uh, but that ends today. The Tomorrow they go to full price at nineteen ninety nine. Uh, the ticket gateway is live dot the dark zone
0: dot tv yeah we have that up on our website live dot the dark zone dot tv to get tickets a full five dollars off for the rest of today and yeah. then uh, tomorrow they start at ni- what do you say nineteen ninety five tomorrow
1: nineteen ninety nine tomorrow nineteen ninety nine and and I, there's there's a lot of people that you know are, are wondering why we're charging for this and and here's what I would say about that if you go to some of these big conventions. For one day at a convention, with the kind of names that we have and the access to this kind of house, you're going to get charged 50 bucks just for one day.
0: Yeah, Uh, yeah.
1: We're we're inviting people into this live stream for an entire week. We understand that people don't have money to spend right now. There are certain expenses involved in putting on a big live streaming, you know, coast-to-coast kind of thing. This is actually international. It'll be playing. You know, you can receive this in Brazil. You can get it in England and Australia. You know, you'll be able to see it from anywhere you are. I think that's true. Oh, charities too. Sorry. Oh, good. I I'm sorry. Charities. We've got three charities, three COVID nineteen charities that we're we're donating to with this: uh, World Central Kitchen, Gary Sinise Foundation, and Global Giving.
0: I love Gary Sinise. One of the greatest human beings ever born. <clears throat> yes, just a great it. man. A great Absolutely. man. I uh I talked to him a couple of years ago back when he was doing Cadillac and and uh, Robert Plant was doing the music for the Cadillac commercials, and he comes on the show because I used to talk to him all the time, uh, not so much since he, he doesn 't do a TV show anymore, but he comes on and he goes, "Tom, Tom, this really exciting thing happened and i said what 's that Gary?" He said, "I was on the you know on the set cutting a new commercial for Cadillac. I just do the voiceover form and all the rest of it, and all of a sudden in comes Robert Plant, who does the music. It was so cool, Tom. I got to ride in a car with Robert Plant. <laughs> That's awesome. That's the kind Everybody, of guy he is.
1: Everybody's got, everybody's got the heroes.
0: But you know what's so great? He's Gary Sinise, for God's sake. One, A great actor, wonderful human being, television, movies, the whole deal. This guy's, in my mind, legendary, and he's all right. excited that Robert... And Robert Plant's a great guy, don't get me wrong. I'll tell you the kind of guy Robert Plant is very quickly. I was at the Carnegie Deli in New York about... Oh God! Probably thirty-five years ago, it's in the Carnegie Deli in New York. City's table, this guy sits down. Big guy, he's like 6'3", weighs about two forty, broad-shouldered. We're talking, schmoozing, having a great time, and blah blah blah. And at the end, he goes, "What's your name?" And I said, "Tom." He goes, "Hey, Tom, Robert, nice to meet you." I not even—it was Robert Plant. I didn't even know. <laughs> How weird is that? That's great. But, you know, that's what these guys are all about. And I'm so happy you're helping Gary Sinise out because he works and works and works to help people all the time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. He does a great job. He absolutely. does indeed. So now, Yeah, we're proud to be
0: associated. 24-7. So when, no matter when they, when they come in, when they jump on, uh, there'll be something to to. I mean, obviously, if you're... Well, here's the thing. You know, okay.
1: They have, they have a security system in that house that is looking at every room, because they're trying to capture evidence around the clock, right?
0: Sure. Uh, And
1: and they record it, um, and they can review it later. Uh, Some of the best evidence they've gotten is, like, when they haven't even been in the house. Uh, So um, it's it's one of those things where uh, every day we'll start off with, you know, kind of the show starts, like at noon on the East Coast and 9 a.m. on the West Coast. And there will be an itinerary of events and, and guest speakers, very much like the Paranormal Convention, right? Uh, there'll be some kind of an activity in the middle of the day, whether they're trying to recreate the seance that the Warrens did with the family or, you know, they're trying to do a ghost box, ses- a spirit box session, or, um, you know, they're, they're trying to maybe do a Ouija board thing. Uh, it, it, and then in the evenings, after the day's speakers are done, in the evenings, they will go and investigate different rooms. When they're done, because they have to eat, right? They have to have dinner.
0: Right, right.
1: There'll be dinner breaks. Where we will play some other content from the Dark Zone. Uh, but at the end of the night, when they go to bed, all of those camera feeds are going to be up. And people will be able to just watch those at will and note when they see a shadow. Note when a book comes <coughs> out of a shelf. You know, uh, there used to be, I remember it was in 2016, there was a one live streaming camera on a haunted doll that, that uh, a media company did and that thing got millions of views because people do, will just watch to see if, if something happens and yeah. they will tell you, they'll let you know they'll say, at this time, this happened you guys have to go back and check the tape we will be able to actually go back and check the tape on the show and present the evidence
0: I think that's terrific this is going to be a lot of fun It's going to be a lot of fun for you Jay, I would imagine
1: yeah, <laughs> yes Yes. I mean, there's there's a lot of As you can imagine, trying to put something like this together, there's a lot of technical hurdles that we're jumping through, and and it's the first time it's been done. So, you know, we're dealing with streaming companies and and other players that are saying, we love this idea, Uh, we're going to try to figure out how to make it happen for you, you know? So it's the first time it's been done. Everybody is, is learning. There's a big, steep learning curve as we go. But, yes, once we are actually in it, it's going to be a blast because, you know, I'll, I'll be able to be part yeah. of it, too. I'll be talking to the audience. I'll be telling some of my stories from Ghost Hunters, some of my stories from when I was in the house. I'll be talking with Andrea Perrin. I'll also be, you know, kind of a, we're, my, one of my partners and I will be kind of the de the, the facto MCs, if you will, kind of being able to help the Heinz and family move the thing forward, introduce the guests, and so forth. And we'll be able to chime in when there's a reason to chime in.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, live.thedarkzone.tv, TV, a 24-7 full week-long live stream from The Real Conjuring House. It starts this Saturday, May 9th. Jay Bloomkey, great interview. Thanks so much for your time today, sir.
1: Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Loved it.
0: Have a good day, sir. Bye. All right, you too. Bye-bye. Jay Bloomke. So that would be, I bet you people do that. They watch those cameras and... See if they can see anything moving or oh, what. Totally. I bet you they do. Yeah, they absolutely do that. We shall take a break. Coming back, uh, got a great guest in Hour 2, as a matter of fact, Nurse's House with Executive Director Deb Elliott. As healthcare workers are on the front lines helping to fight COVID-19, many people are stopping to wonder what happens to nurses who become ill. Deb Elliott will talk about it uh, from Nurse's House in the second hour with the family.